Hello, everybody. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another fresh episode and jam-packed episode of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Yunus, still only with one of my gurus today. Lawrence Edmondson is joining us. We're missing Nate Saunders. He actually asked for a day off. He said he was keen in disconnected and having some Nate time, which I suppose it's okay. You know, he's getting up in age, so too much excitement for one week, right, Lawrence? Hey, it's been tough. I mean, that Austrian Grand Prix, like we said in the last podcast, had a season's worth of storylines. So, yeah, we've been picking our way through that and we've got more today. We've definitely got more today. I almost don't even know where to start because we were going to start with the big news that we actually had. Kevin Magnussen, Nate got to speak to him. Plenty of stuff to ask him, especially after last weekend. But then Fernando Alonso came out of the blue and announced that he will be returning to Formula One with Renault. So that, of course, is where we have to start, Lawrence, because I know we kind of teased and had speculation that this was going to happen. There was the whole romantic story of getting Fernando Alonso back and why wouldn't we want to see him back? And now that it's confirmed, how are you taking the news? How are you feeling? Well, I think it's great. Like, um, I was always quite a big fan of Fernando Alonso. I mean, there's lots of people that don't like him, but I'm, I'm one of the ones which uh, think actually F1 is a better place with him. I also think, uh, assuming he can still perform on the same level he uh, did when he left the sport in 2018, he's one of the top three drivers in Formula 1. He's up there with Lewis and he's up there with Max. So my hope is he comes back, he performs on that level. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great thing to see, isn't it? To have someone like that back in the sport, albeit not with a team that's probably going to be at the top. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, because literally before this, again, thanks to you guys getting me all into Formula One. My neighbors now are super into Formula One and they came to my door and they're like, so Fernando Alonso back and they're like, but why Renault? Because he's going to struggle. And the truth is nobody wants to see a name like Fernando Alonso struggling with not the best car, not the best engine. So is it just because realistically, where else would he have gone? Or can he actually bring something to Renault that might help up their profile or up their game from what we've been seeing the last couple of seasons? So, yeah, the the thing to give a bit of background on Alonso is that, uh, you know, he's been in the sport since 2001. Uh, he's driven for a number of teams, but he's also burnt a number of bridges. Uh, it's no secret that he's not very likely to go back to Ferrari. Um, it's no secret that despite him saying that Red Bull was an option at the end of 2018, he's not going to end up at Red Bull. And it's no secret that Toto Wolff, as long as he has Lewis Hamilton in the team, is not going to bring Fernando Alonso in. Because, of course, those with longer memories will remember that uh, Lewis and Fernando were teammates in 2007 and it didn't go well uh, Alonso had to leave the team in 2008. So there's a lot of background there. There's a lot of reasons why he ended up at McLaren from 2015 and then had a number of uh, disappointing years when they had that Honda engine and everything went wrong and the car was no good. And we got to a point um, where he left the sport in 2018. And at the time, he said he'd achieved everything he wanted in Formula One. He was a two-time world champion. When he was growing up in Spain, he never imagined he'd be a two-time world champion. He never imagined he'd drive for Ferrari, Renault, McLaren. You know, what a brilliant career. Why, you know, keep it going? Turns out, since he's been away, he's missed it a bit. And, uh, and so he started to look at options to come back in. There was an interview uh, at the end of last year, I think maybe early this year, where he talked about how much he wanted to come back to F1. And then it was a matter of looking where he could go. And as we've talked about so much in the last few weeks, there's been so many changes in the driver market, so many drivers going to different places 
And the one seat that was left uh, really for Alonso, okay, Mercedes haven't announced their drivers yet, but we're expecting them to stick with Lewis uh, and Bottas or maybe George Russell. Uh, Alonso wasn't going to go there. Um, so the one seat that was left was Renault. And that's where he's ended up. Um, and it's a team that, yeah, they've struggled recently. You know, they, they've not achieved what they wanted to. Daniel Ricciardo went there in 2019. Even before a wheel had turned in 2020, he had said that he's leaving to go to McLaren. He it's not knew. a ringing... Yeah, it's, it's not a ringing endorsement, is it? Um, but for Alonso, it's a way back into F1. And it's a team that, who knows, maybe has a bit of potential. And this is what Fernando is banking on. So um, we actually talked to Fernando in a press conference. Well, we didn't, but the, uh, the Renault team put forward uh, a few questions from the media to Fernando uh, just a few moments ago today. And uh, this is what Fernando had to say about his hopes for where the team's going to be next year. And then, really, his hopes for where the team's going to be in 2022 for the second year of his contract. You know, I've not been uh, underground for two years. I've been uh, watching television, and I, I know that only one team will win in 2020 and will win in 2021, probably. But, uh, you know, this is uh, the rest for the remaining 19 drivers that we are uh, on the grid. And um, we try to work with our own team and our own uh, future. And as I said before, I think the 2022 rules will hopefully bring some fairness uh, to the sport and uh, will bring some uh, close uh, action as well with the teams more level and, and less scope to invent anything that has a large performance advantage. So, you know, having that in mind, there is uh, enough time, I think, to, to work on on those projects and, uh, you know, to, to build the momentum that I think we, we need. Hopefully from today, we will see some more motivation, some boost uh, from, from everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm aware of what uh, 2021 will be. Uh, and I'm hopeful of 2022. And uh, as I said, you know, this is a, a matter of uh, building something together and building something together that you trust, uh, that has the uh, capabilities, has the facilities, has the investment, and all those ingredients I, I found in Renault. So I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. And so Fernando, hopeful of maybe challenging for something close to a podium, close to a win, maybe even a championship in 2022. Uh, it seems unlikely given where Renault are now, but they have invested a huge amount in in their factory and also there's this budget cap that we've been talking about that comes in from next year and will start to level things out a bit by 2022 at least that's the plan and if that happens then maybe it creates a situation where Renault can go and uh, fight at the front again that's what Fernando's hoping for maybe if you're cynical you'd say well actually maybe Fernando's just using Renault as a kind of platform to show that he's still a driver for one of the top teams should should they need one it's kind of what Ricardo did wasn't it but um, but yeah, that's his hope. And who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to rule Renault out two years out from a major regulation change in 2022 where they could come back. Well, that's a, I suppose before we move into the preview of just looking ahead at this next weekend in Austria, I mean, I just have to ask you just how long do you see um, Fernando Alonso sticking with this and sticking with F1? Like, do you actually see him buying his time now with Renault and then probably going to one of the quote-unquote bigger teams? Or is it just kind of like your Renault being your swan song into the lovely sunset and a legendary sunset at that for sure? 
Well, that's, that's the big question. And by the time that 2022 season uh, is midway through, uh, he'll be 40 years old. But, you know, which is quite old for a Formula One driver. Kimi's 40 at the moment and still racing in Formula One, albeit towards the back of the grid with Alpha. So, yeah, do I see it as a, as a long-term thing? Um, it all depends on results, doesn't it? It really does all depend on, on those results and what, what they can do with the 2022 regulations. I think it's such an unknown what's going to happen when those new regulations come in. In the past, we've seen teams make big leaps forward. Sometimes we actually see the status quo stay the same. So Alonso's gambling on, on, on changes happening. But I still think uh, the issues that he had maybe with um, Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull, and the reasons that they didn't offer him a contract before, probably aren't going to go away. And then the only way that they might go away is if actually he starts to turn around Renault and completely transforms his reputation into a guy that you really can't do without in your team. But if that's happened, then wouldn't he just stay with Renault and be part of that success? So um, it's an interesting one. I, I, I don't know if I can predict the future uh, like as to where he's going to go. And I certainly wouldn't want to put words in Fernando's mouth. But um, at the moment, uh, you know, we're only a day into the announcement of this contract. So we're in the honeymoon period. They're both still talking about how um, great, you know, they think 2022 could be. Uh, so maybe we'll leave it at that and kind of wish them well and, uh, and hope that we do see Renault and Fernando Alonso at the front of the grid because that would be a great news story. Exactly. You love to see it or some might hate to see, it, but Fernando Alonso is back in Formula One. I know I'm quite excited for that because we know the weight that that name carries. So it will be interesting to see exactly what he has in mind for him and his future in Formula One. Well, in our near future is another race weekend and we're absolutely buzzing for that in Austria, especially after what we saw last weekend. Lawrence, like I said, it's hard to predict anything and goodness me, we could not predict what happened last weekend, especially seeing Lando Norris get on the podium. We're still riding on that high for sure. So now I do challenge you to predict or give me what you're expecting to happen from this second race weekend in Austria because there's so many storylines going into it. We're already seeing people saying Alex Albon's plotting his revenge on Lewis. Will Lewis get more penalties? Will Lando, Lando now be expected to get higher up on the podium? What are you expecting? Well, it's, it's a funny situation because we're going back to the same track, which suggests more of the same. But the first race was so unusual and there were so many retirements and so much went wrong for different drivers that uh, in reality, if we had the same race, we'd be delighted because it would be just as, just as exciting. But the reality is we'll probably see uh, a number of those reliability issues uh, sorted out or at least they'll be able to manage them a little bit better. Uh, and we'll, ha we'll see teams with a much better understanding of how their cars work um, at that circuit. So in theory, it should actually be a little bit more straightforward. But that's, there's still some excitement to be, to be taken from that because, OK, we know Mercedes is fastest and... Uh, with an advantage that we probably didn't want to see this early in the season uh, if we wanted it to go all the way down to the wire. But, um, but Red Bull are up there. And then there's teams like Racing Point who kind of didn't really fulfil their potential in, in Austria. Uh, Ferrari overperformed, McLaren seemed to overperform. So there's still some questions about where that order really is. And then, like you say, Max and Alex Albon are going to be so keen to turn around what happened at the last race you know I mean both of them had engine failures in the end but Alex really could have won that race and you'd like to think that well if Max was in the same position he probably could have won that race as well so uh, they, they, they'll feel um, they'll feel like they've got something to prove above all of that um, or on top of all of that chance of rain as well imagine that so you know I mean what always spices up a Formula 1 weekend it's rain so 
so we could see something um, even more exciting. Oh, goodness. I'm absolutely ready for that. We will definitely be back in studio, back in person and bringing you guys all of the reaction right after that when we'll see how different the podium is this time because like you said i'm sure max verstappen is already suited and booted and ready to go from right now but like you guys said lewis hamilton also didn't have his greatest weekend and he's someone that you know when something leaves a bad taste in his mouth he comes out fighting as well so we'll exactly see what happens come this weekend so to all of our kevin magnuson fans we're sorry we've been blabbering on but there's just so much to get to but now it's time to hear him blabber on to our very own nate saunders they sat down and had a nice little chat so without further ado here it is kevin magnuson thank you so much for coming on the espn f1 podcast how's it going yeah it's going well we are we're still in austria waiting for for the next uh, next race this weekend and uh, looking at you, I was expecting you were either going to be at the circuit or at the motorhome, but you're in neither. You're in a car right now. What, what, are, you, uh, what are you up to right now? Yeah, I'm just doing a little sightseeing uh, drive with my physio. So uh, it's, a, it's a very, very beautiful place uh, that the Red Bull Ring is, is placed in. So there's a lot of uh, beautiful scenery to, uh, to go around. So we're still trying to uh, you know, stay just within the track. But... Um, I think it was, it's okay to, to take a little drive uh, to, to see where we are. And how have you found it? Because it's obviously, it's been a much different weekend to any F1 weekend that we've <laughs> seen before. You guys are obviously staying there. Usually you'd have flown either home or to the next venue. Has it felt a bit weird staying around? Because I guess you're, you're like, well, we've, we've raced here already. You know, why, why aren't we going to the next place? That must be the natural feeling of things. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's very different. I mean, Today I went into the track. Uh, I mean, we are at the track, but you know, I went into the um, to the team truck, uh, team office, and uh, sat there looking at the data on a on a Tuesday, and uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't normally happen. It feels like it's it's one race. It doesn't feel like it's two. It feels like we're still in the race weekend somehow. But uh, I mean, it's good. It's it's going to be interesting to go back and see how much we can improve and if we can, you know make ourselves more competitive in between these two races that uh, that would be good but um yeah just nice to be back and good to be back into this racing uh, world again what were those first laps like on friday they must have felt like a long time coming since you'd actually been in an f1 car it was obviously pre-season testing it must have felt pretty overdue yeah absolutely it, it just felt great i mean we um we haven't been in the car for you know four months or something in there felt very very good to come back it wasn't really any issue getting back into it you know it felt it felt like we hadn't been out of the car for for that long it it, it felt pretty normal so um i was just happy and you know kind of very very keen to uh, to get started and get pushing and just looking at the weekend itself um you said during the weekend that you don't really want to make too many predictions about this car i guess last year was a good lesson in that and making predictions and then having a car that was quite unpredictable but what was what was the feeling coming out of the race weekend? Obviously, a frustrating retirement, both cars with brake issues. How concerning is that going into the next race? And does being at the same location, I guess it means that you know the weaknesses you need to address for the specifically for the circuit, which I guess is quite a big help going into this weekend. Yeah, I guess. And um, I mean, about the brake issue, of course, that's that's gonna be interesting to see whether we we can we we can fix that i mean it's uh, it's a little bit unexpected uh, how big the issue was uh, we, we we knew we would have to save brakes a little bit but 
that's not really an issue if you have to save a little bit of breaks, you know, a couple of laps in the race, that's fine. But we had to do it, but we couldn't do it. <laughs> we couldn't do the amount we, we had to do. Um, so that's, a li- of course, it's a little bit concerning, but I, I also have, you know, faith in the team that, that they will find a solution. It, it can't be it can't be that bad if, if everything is, is working all right. So there must have been something that um, that wasn't working. So, yeah, or we got wrong somewhere in, in some, you know, calculations, whatever. So um, I'm pretty positive we'll, we'll come back and, uh, you know, be all right in, in that regard. And then, as I said, it would be nice to to see if we can <clears throat> move ourselves a little bit um, up the grid. We've, we qualified 15th and 16th in the team and, uh, you know, it wouldn't take a lot for us to be, you know, further up. It was very, very close between the, uh, the whole of the midfield. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to, uh, to find a lot of pace to, to move up quite a few positions. So it's very exciting and uh, encouraging that we just need to find a little bit to, to move up and see results immediately. So um, that's what we'll try and do. Yeah, and that midfield battle was pretty fascinating. And what was really interesting was Racing Point and McLaren were, were right up there as well. But the gaps, like you said, between them and the rest of you guys wasn't, weren't that big. So having seen how that race played out, do you think you can maybe, if, if both cars can stay in the race, do you think you can push for points if, assuming things go more normally, there's maybe fewer retirements than we saw on a Sunday? Yes, you know, exactly. I mean, on, on Sunday, a lot of people retired. So we would have for sure scored points if we had finished the race which is uh, both nice to know and also very annoying. But, uh, you know, next weekend, you know, there's no, absolutely no guarantee there'll be as many uh, retirements. But, um, you know, we'll still give it a go. Try and, try and qualify a little bit better and then try and, uh, you know, uh, get the brakes into a, a nice working range so we can push a little harder. Because that's the thing. I mean, in the race, I, I, I got up to P11. And um, it was going very well. I was very comfortable, but you know, already saving a lot of breaks, I was still comfortable in that situation, in that position. Uh, so if we can get into a place where we're not having to save that much breaks and we can actually push, then I think we can we can race. You know, almost anyone in the midfield. Um, I think McLaren and Racing Point are pretty. Um, they have a little bit of a step uh, in front of of the rest <clears throat> but then everyone else there we can we can we can push i think yeah and do you think with those two teams making that step forward it, it must be quite encouraging to think that those gains are there to be made by midfield teams we've become quite used to seeing the top three and then a gap and then the midfield but on the basis of one race at least it seems that that's you know that's maybe overlapped a little bit this season do you think is that is that fair to say or is it still too early to really think that that might be the case throughout the season no i think it's pretty pretty good chance we'll see McLaren and Racing Point fighting for best of the rest and and best of the rest this year might be third best team mm. so uh, that's that's an exciting exciting battle not for us because we're probably not going to be in it but uh, for you guys it's going to be exciting and for us I think we're just you know focus on trying to get as much out of, of this season as we can it's going to be a very short season compared to a normal season and um <clears throat> You know, for that reason, it wasn't great not finishing uh, last weekend's race, and you know, especially competitors like um, Alfa Romeo scoring scoring points is is not wasn't wasn't great for us. But uh, you know, we'll try and make it up, try and push, and uh, see if we can uh, see if we can make it up 
And um, a lot was made about there not being fans there. There's a lot of limited amount of people in the paddock. But how much impact did that actually have on yourself? I'm sure you didn't mind not having to see us in person for the, for the race weekend on the Thursday. But in terms of being on the grid and stuff like that, did you notice much of that? Because I know that you know, once the helmet is on, once the visor goes down, you guys are pretty much in the zone. No, it definitely felt different, even even in the race. You know, it it just it doesn't have this kind of buzz about it that uh, that it usually has with all these all the all the spectators there and all all the build up from from the morning all the way to the race. Usually, there's a huge uh, like you know build up and excitement. So I was still excited, but you know it was in a very different way. There's still pressure, there's still nerves, but uh, there's just not that atmosphere that that they used to this and um yeah that's the way it is right now there's not really too much we can do about it but just uh it's it's very nice that we are that we're even back you know racing so i can't really complain uh but of course i'm looking forward to getting you know completely back to normal yeah and usually around where you are now around the circuit all you can hear is that dutch edm music just pounding out as well so it must be weird not having all the all the dutch fans there because that's basically what I think of when I'm in Austria is those kind of, those guys are there for the week. They camp out and they're there, you know, full time. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's a, it is a, it's, it's almost like a festival every, every weekend, isn't it? With yeah. all the partying going on in the camps and, uh, you know, all the, all the fans um, walking around laughing and singing and all that, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's what, you know, it's what sports should be about, you know, uh, celebrating and, uh, and having a good time. And then us putting on a great show. I think Formula One put on a great show this weekend. Um, so people watch, watching on television, I think, would have been satisfied with, with what, they, uh, what they were watching. But, um, of course, everyone, you know, us and all the fans, hopefully, are looking forward to getting back on, on the grandstands. And how much of it did you get to catch? Did you have to go into a debrief straight away? Or did you, were you able to see those final laps? Because they were, they were pretty wild at the end. Um. I can't, I can't remember if I watched the race live or if I watched it back, but I, I did watch it. Right. Yeah, it was, a, like you say, a pretty entertaining one. Um, I was just going to ask you, you said about Formula One putting on a show. Um, and one thing that Formula One did, that we, I asked you about this on Saturday, was I'm not sure what to call it. It wasn't really a, a protest. It was more the stance again, you know, the, the end racism stance that was put on. And I thought that the answer you gave about kneeling was really interesting. You know, about the, I know a lot of drivers spoke about, um, that gesture before the race, and there was maybe some um, some questions raised about it. And I just I just wondered if you if you didn't mind kind of elaborating on because you said um, that you knelt and but it was more in in um, support of the wider cause rather than you know the political movements behind it. And it's such a such an emotive topic and one that's so open to I guess misinterpretation. I just wondered if you didn't mind kind of elaborating on that a bit for our podcast listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um... You know, the thing is, when 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 you kneel, it it, it or any any gesture or you know uh, action that you do, it can it can be interpreted in 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 many different ways by, you know, it, and it will be interpreted differently by you know every individual person. And I think um, the thing for me personally is that I didn't want to you know um, I didn't want kneeling to be associated only with one specific you know organization like blm now is a it it it, you know i didn't even know about this organization until you know recently and and i think 
you know, that organization is something that I can't really agree with. Uh, but of course, I agree with ending racism and I agree with ending, you know, discrimination based on color and, and anything really, you know, sex or gender or religion, anything. I think uh, personally, I, I, I really think that we all should be, you know, looking at each other's um, personal uh, qualities and, and characters and, you know, uh, stop judging uh, each other for any other reasons. You know, not not color, not sex, gender, any of these things. You know, I think it's you should you should judge a person by by his or hers individual uh, personal character, and that's really what I wanna you know come together with with all the rest of the world that seems to be you know really coming together to to end discri discrimination and and racism. So that that's that's why I nailed. Um, how do you foresee? Um those kind of statements going forward i know it's something formula one's committed to it's got a new initiative but is is it something ahead of every race we're going to see similar or do you think it you know it will start manifesting itself into different ways i know that teams have things on the livery for example to to signify what what they're standing for this year um i don't know what the plans are in terms of livery and um uh, messages in in terms of um what formula one and the teams put out um, but it's certainly something that, you know, uh, is out there now and that we, you know, hopefully will all continue to, um, you know, support. But hopefully the result will be that there will be change and that we won't have to, uh, you know, uh, speak about this too much. And, you know, at, at some point, hopefully the, the, the world will have changed and um, we can move on from this. And um, just... One final, more broad topic to, to get you on, and then I'll, I'll let you get on back to your exploring of the uh, of the, the local scenery. Um, we're expecting, I think this this podcast might begin with us talking about um, a comeback. I'm not sure how in the loop you've been in the last couple of days, but it sounds like Fernando Alonso to Renault is something um, which which I, I suppose opens up an interesting discussion about the driver market, which has already been quite busy. First of all, what what do you make of Alonso coming back? I know you guys maybe had a run in before, but he's still one of the one of those kind of Big name guys in the paddock draws a lot of attention when, wherever he goes. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that um, that that was happening. So that's that's news to me. Uh, but of course, you know, I'm I'm all uh, all good with that, and I think uh, you know, great for Formula One. I think there will be a lot of uh, people pleased with that. Uh, you know, fans, etc. And um, you know, surely it will be good for Renault uh, to have him in in the car. Uh, good for Ocon to have someone like him um, as a benchmark and you know that will really be an opportunity to, for him to, to shine uh, to, to be up against him so uh, great as far as I'm concerned and just finally on, on that topic I guess usually in July we start talking about the driver market but we don't usually do it after one race because of the way things are it's kind of changed around um, how are things looking for yourself has this has this kind of last six months has it been a lot different for you in terms of negotiating a, a new deal or a new a new destination or do you think you'll end up um committing to a longer stay with with Haas because I know how happy you are at the team and how much you know you you've said before that you fit in with them yeah exactly so I, I would be you know surprised to see anything big uh, change in that regard but uh, you never know in this sport so uh, as you said it's the middle of the season but also it isn't because we've just done the first race. But, uh, you know, 
yeah, I mean, usually probably, uh, you know, you wouldn't be settled by race uh, three or five or something like that. But maybe this year we, we will. But uh, so far, I don't know anything. Um, I know, of course, the, the situation is that the, the team has a, the option to continue with me. And that's going to that's gonna be interesting to see whether they take that or, you know, uh, or, or don't. Or maybe offer me something different or, you know, who knows? So it's going to be interesting to see. Nice to be that relaxed about it, though, I guess. You know, it's not something you're, you're spending your time worrying about. No, I'm not too worried. I mean, what can I do? I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving everything I can for, for the team. And uh, I don't, you know, uh, I don't see why, you know, I should be worried. I, I've done what I can. So if, it, if something weird happens, then, uh, you know, I can... I can at least say I've done my best. So, uh, yeah, and I'll continue to to do my best, uh, and you know, as long as I can. Great stuff. Kevin, really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know what you're going to find in the in the roads around the circuit, but, you know, maybe we'll ask you on Thursday. You might have found a new new destination to chill out for, for the next couple of years. Great to have you yes. on. Mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, that was Kevin Magnuson having a chat with our very own Nate Saunders. And that's where we're going to wrap things up from today. We had a lot indeed to get through. Thank you guys for listening. On behalf of myself and Nate and Lawrence, we will be reunited and back in studio, like I said, to bring you all of the reaction from Austria come this Sunday. Make sure you tune in and it's bye for now. Bye.